welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast about books, beauty, and music. So make yourself a cup of tea, sit down, and let's begin. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Speaking with Joy. Today, I have the great pleasure of having my friend Glenn Packiam on the show with me today. Woohoo! Hello, Joy. Welcome to the show, Glenn. So, what would be our our history? How could we give people a context for how we know each other? I mean, our families have known each other yes. for like a lot of years, 15, maybe 20, almost 20, I don't know. A long time. So, when that we means met, you were like six? Yeah, maybe? I was say no, a little <laughs> no. longer than that. Um, well, we'll put it this way. When I when we first met, I would not have called you Glenn. I probably would have called you Mr. Well, Glenn. Well, joy. I'm not that old now. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but um, we met many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, church. Church, and back when Joel was in yeah. school of worship. Joel was in, yeah, we used, to, we used to run this thing that trained worship leaders, and your brother Joel was, uh, he was there. What was that, 0203, something, something like that? Something like that, yeah. No. Who would have known he'd turn into a coral star? What a legend, that guy. <laughs> um, and it's been so fun because I feel like though our paths have diverged moments, we've kind of stayed yeah. neck and neck and yeah. gone back and forth. A lot of parallels. A lot of parallels. You just finished last year mm-hmm. your PhD at Durham yeah. University. Yeah, it was their Doctor of Theology and Ministry, so it allowed me to stay put here and just go over, do it part-time and chip away at it, but that was a fun experience. And of course, you're at St. Andrews, yes. so we've got a little UK academia connections. Yes, we were just having, before we started this recording, a, uh, how's the writing going, <laughs> Because you know that, you know that slog, you just I keep do. going. <laughs> I do, you're doing great. And of course, you did it, which I'm kind of segueing into what your life is. You did it um, in your spare time while pastoring a church and yeah. getting ordained as an Anglican priest <laughs> and doing various other things. So tell everyone, what do you do? What are you about? Well, I serve at a non-denominational church. I am one of two associate senior pastors at the church, and then I'm the lead pastor for one of our congregations, which it's really, it's a quasi sort of, it's not autonomous, but there's a lot of freedom. I'm preaching live every week. Um, it's a beautiful thing. I am ordained as an Anglican priest. That happened about five years ago. So that helps me as we're learning from kind of the Mm. shape of the liturgy Mm. and um, the logic of the liturgy and all those things kind of work their way into our services at our congregation. Yeah, it's a really um, unique and, I was about to say unique and special, obviously. (laughs) That um, means ancient, I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The writing has really made me very articulate and redundant. Um, It was funny, I tried to explain to one of my professors in in St. Andrews that um, about New Life Downtown Mm. and kind of that it was this offshoot of a megachurch that that incorporated uh, Anglican liturgy and he just like looked at me like I'd grown a third head. He was like, that's implies that I have a second head. You have three, yeah. Not only did I have a Joy, this is going really well. Oh, no, no I do. Th- I do think what is interesting, maybe not as common, is just the strange fusion of influences yeah. that New Life Downtown is. Because you do have that evangelical, charismatic, and then you yeah. have the sacramental, liturgical, yes. blah blah blah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I guess would be a good segue into yes. what we're talking about yes. today, good. which is that you have a book coming out. I do. Um, probably when I release this, it will have come out the day before. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit about the book. Okay. Well, it's called Blessed, Broken, mm-hmm. Given: How Your Story Becomes Sacred in the Hands of Jesus. 
Jesus. Hmm. And it borrows from these words. Um, people most commonly think of these words as the words that Jesus said at Passover when he takes bread, blesses it, breaks mm-hmm. it, and gives it. But actually, Luke's gospel records Jesus saying those same three words three times. He does mm-hmm. it at the feeding of the 5,000. He does it at Passover. And then he does it after the resurrection with mm-hmm. the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Luke sneaks one in there at the end of the book of Acts where Paul does it on the ship that uh, is shipwrecked. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a cool little message there. I think that Luke's trying to tip his hat to. But, but the idea of the book is that our lives could be as common as bread. It may seem as ordinary. It may mm-hmm. seem mundane. Or it might seem messy and imperfect. But actually, that's precisely the kind of thing that Jesus takes in his hands, blesses, breaks, and gives, makes it something more than what it might seem on its own. That's beautiful. So I would love to just dive in a little bit to each one of those words and what they kind of mean mm-hmm. Mean in the book, how you unpack them. So blessed, broken, and given. Could you mm-hmm. give us a summary of these three? Yeah, if we were to say it in a phrase, to be blessed is to kind of find a glory in the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Jacob waking up from his stairway mm-hmm. to heaven dream and saying, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't know it. And I think, you know, Joy, I mean, <laughs> we're on social media a lot. If you see the kinds of things that people put hashtag blessed to, mm-hmm. it's usually not the biblical vision of what it means to be <laughs> blessed. And so... Uh, in the book, I make a, a great effort to recover um, what Genesis says about being mm. blessed and how God creates the world and blesses it, calls it good. And so part of what it means to be blessed is to let God take you back to the beginning, to mm. let God uh, retell your story. It's also seen in when God renames Abraham, um, that part of being blessed is to be named as the beloved, to be named as a child of God, not as whatever other voice you hear in your head. Uh, and then part of what it means to be blessed is, is really to have a new kind of future, a, a good mm. story, a good ending mm. uh, that maybe we don't believe. So the, and for, for the folks out there who appreciate um, Greek words, the, li- <laughs> the link here is um, the word blessed that, uses, that Luke uses a couple times when Jesus takes bread is this word that's related to eulogia, um, eulogy, you know, to hmm. speak well of, to praise. And in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, that's the same Greek word that's used speaking of God over the world, where God hmm. eulogizes, if you will, or pronounces a blessing over it. So I think there's, there's something to that, to saying, what if God really speak something well and something good Mm. over you Mm. uh, and you saw yourself that way. I love that. And I think that it's easy in our world, which can be fairly pessimistic for (laughs) fairly good reasons, to not know that... um, as I've been doing a book club on Chesterton, he says Mm. that somehow we have to come to the point where we think that fundamentally um, God's blessing of humankind, Mm. his love Mm. and the integrity and goodness of creation is more fundamental than the brokenness. Yes. And it seems like that's kind of the idea that you're getting at, that this ordinary life, this self, this body, this Mm -hmm. world, Mm -hmm. God has spoken well of it. Yes. And what does it mean to live into that? And especially as Christians, we're living into that redemption. Yes. Well, and so often, maybe for evangelicals, you know, for our upbringing, a lot of times, part one of the story is your sin, you know? Um, But that's not the Bible story. No, it's not part one. Part one is, and God blessed it, and God Mm. called it good and very good. So even for us to reclaim that, to realize, look, the beginning here was a good beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes, there is a story of sin, and we'll get into that. The second word is broken, you know, but the first word is blessed. Well, and even, I mean, even the idea of broken or brokenness Mm. implies a previous wholeness. Good. You know, and I think that we have to remember that all of this is a recovery. It's not a, you were terrible, now we're going to make you okay. It's, Mm. you were good, there's a brokenness, and, Mm. and 
redemption is a re- is a fuller retrieval of that goodness. I like that you said fuller retrieval because when we get into this word broken, mm-hmm. um, it, it is really about how the grace of God meets us in the middle mm-hmm. of our mess, in the middle of our brokenness. And I think what happens is in Jesus' hands, our brokenness becomes a kind of openness. Mm. Um, I mean, think of bread, you know, say at an Italian restaurant, wherever you break it, then you dip it in the olive oil. It has to be broken in order Mm -hmm. to be opened up. And there's something about that. So so that word broken is an interesting one because we use it to refer to a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so I outline in the book, there's a kind of brokenness that we mean to refer to our frailty. Just like, you know, when you feel like, gosh, I'm limited, I'm finite, I can't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then there's a kind of brokenness that actually refers to our failure. Like, mm-hmm. no, I did that. Like, mm-hmm. I messed up. And then there's a kind of brokenness that comes from suffering and pain, really mm-hmm. the fallenness of the world. Mm-hmm. But whatever the, the the cause of your brokenness, when you place it in Jesus' hands, he, his grace comes rushing in. And he, mm-hmm. he redeems in a way that actually makes it more valuable, more glorious than it was without it. Mm-hmm. There's an Augustine quote about this, right? Yes, uh, Oh Happy Falls. Yes. Oh Felix yes. Culpa. <laughs> Felix Culpa, the gain for us, so great a redeemer. I mean, the, the idea that God's redemption could have an end result that was better than the original mm-hmm. state, that's, that's crazy. You yeah, know? that is amazing. It's... Um, it's funny, I've been reading this book, um, it's a travel book that goes through the hmm. Middle East uh, in the 90s, hmm. and there was this section from um, a monastery, St. Anthony's Monastery in Egypt, which is like one of the oldest hmm. monasteries, hmm. it's Coptic, and they'd been having all these attacks, and the journalist was like, well, do you blame God for this? And he wow. was like, I don't, I don't know why these things happen, but with Christ, with the cross, hmm. what is broken is made more whole. Wow. And I thought it was interesting because it kind of left behind the question of the problem of evil and said, I, I can't, yeah, we can't, can't solve, solve that. that. Yeah. But we can say that mm. there is a greater fullness in the brokenness. Gosh, I love that. Yeah. There's a there's a story of a Japanese art of pottery called the kintsugi, you mm-hmm. know, where the pottery's broken. I think it's like the 15th century, and they would repair it with this Pouring. resin. Yeah, they pour like a gold yeah. seam, right? And kintsugi literally means golden joinery, golden mm-hmm. seams. And it got to the got to be so sought after that mm-hmm. it, the, that there was this rumor, possibly true, that that art collectors in the 15th and 16th century would break pottery on purpose <laughs> so it could be repaired. And I, you know that's kind of a picture of what you're saying that mm-hmm. there is a wholeness that becomes more valuable, more beautiful, mm-hmm. more precious mm-hmm. than the original state. Yes. Well, and uh, a a wild thing to think about this, and I'm imagining this is where <laughs> you're going as well, is that God did that for us. Yes. God's, I don't know if this is, this is not a theological way to say it, but Christ breaks yes. open himself for yes. us um, in a way that we experience his fullness that we wouldn't have. Um, yeah. And that's a, a marvelous absolutely, thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why there's no doubt the central blessed, broken, given story is the one at Passover where Jesus yeah. says, no, this bread, this is my body given for you. And so we're meant to understand the brokenness of the cross as a the brokenness of bread or vice versa mm. you know it also makes me think of um mary breaking mm. the, oh the alabaster jar yes. that's good and boy being... i should have included that that's a good one <laughs> chat next time for a video <laughs> book <play. laughs> okay so then what does it mean to be given yes okay so given is the idea of purpose of, of mm. god taking our blessedness and our brokenness and letting it lead into a kind of givenness so because there's no, because there's glory in the ordinary, because there's grace in the mess, there is now purpose every day. Mm. Um, so 
given maybe to use some some language that me, we might use every day because um, we don't typically say I, I'm given but <laughs> you know how we sometimes finish a long week and you're like oh my gosh I am drained you mm-hmm. know or mm-hmm. um, but sometimes we'll say gosh I'm spent and oftentimes mm. I use those words interchangeably but actually I think there's a there's quite a bit of difference and the mm. difference is in agency right so when you're drained someone else is just taking it from you mm. but when you're spent it's like you're allowing someone to pour you out so mm. I think of Paul saying I'm being poured out like a drink offering mm. that's what it means to be spent versus drained now we could all go through our lives, have the same tasks of our day, have the same conversations, mm-hmm. but have a totally different perspective. Mm-hmm. One perspective could be, everyone was taking from me. Mm-hmm. The other perspective could say, like Jesus did, no one takes my life, I, I lay it down. It, yeah, yeah I, I lay it down. And, and, and so to be given is to mimic that cruciform, that Christ-shaped pattern, mm. and to say, Lord, spend me for the life of the world. Lord, give me today for, for, mm. uh, for the life of those around me, for the sake of others. Yeah. others. And that comes, I would think, fundamentally from knowing that this life that we've been given and the redemption is a gift that we're receiving, which kind of ties into a question I was going to ask <laughs> you, which is that these words, when we think of it, we tie it to the Passover, to mm. communion, and to Christ, mm-hmm. really, being mm-hmm. the one who is who is blessed, broken, and given yeah. for us. Yeah. And we experience that reality um, when we receive communion, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how do you see there being kind of the connection between Christ being the blessed, yeah. broken, and given one, who then we, who also gives us the ability to become that ourselves? It's a great question. And I think it's, I, I think we get caught in the trap sometimes of thinking in binaries. Yes where either Jesus is or we are. Mm -hmm. And so either the Bible is about Jesus or it's about us. And so you'll hear the, you know, but actually the the truth is somewhat more mysterious Mm -hmm. and more beautiful than that. In fact, very often with key metaphors in the Bible, it's not because Jesus is, we are not. It's Mm -hmm. because Jesus is, we are. Mm -hmm. So because Jesus is the priest, we become a priesthood. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus is the temple, we become a temple. Because Jesus is the sacrifice, you know, on and on. And so in a very real way, because Jesus is the bread of heaven, we become like Mm -hmm. this bread. And maybe another layer to provoke this specific reflection is to ask ourselves what it means to be the body of Christ. Mm. So Robert Jensen, the theologian, says that the the, the church is uh, Christ's availability in the world. Mm. So when we say, where is Jesus? Well, okay, in one sense, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But in another sense, via the Spirit in the church, this is where Jesus is. Mm -hmm. So where is Jesus? Oh, he is by the power of the Holy Spirit in that group of Christians as they pray, as they Mm -hmm. take care of the poor, as they serve the needy. So... There is a way of saying, well, if we are the body of Christ and the body of Christ is like this bread, then we too are like this bread that is blessed. Yes, and given. I love that. And um, it, I think also there's this reality of as we take him into us, we mm-hmm. become him. Yes. We are, as the uh, as Joel always loves to quote the, for the life of the world, we are what we eat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Shmaman. Oh, yeah, man. We, yes. We eat... Um, we eat Christ who is broken yes, for us and yes. blessed and given. We become that yes. um, to the world. And you, you said earlier about the givenness, that this is the result of God's own gift to us. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. G- uh, the gift of God provokes a kind of generosity in us, a kind of givenness in us. And so taking in the hospitality of mm-hmm. Jesus turns us into hosts in the world. And th- this is, okay, so this is, this is I think, Luke's little breadcrumbs, if you mm-hmm. will, in his volume mm-hmm. two is... 
the end of Luke's gospel. Here's Jesus in the uh, the home of these disillusioned mm. disciples, right? He's the guest mm. who then starts acting like a host. Mm. He takes the bread and blesses it. You shouldn't do that. You're the guest. You're yeah. not the, the... But then at the end of the book of Acts, you find Paul, who's a prisoner, who starts acting like a priest. Huh. On this pagan ship, Paul stands up and says, don't worry, you're not going to die. Take, You should eat something. And he gives thanks. Eucharistio. Um, different mm. word this time. Uh, it's the same word that's used in the Passover version of the story in Luke 20, uh, 22. And and so there's something there. Jesus is the a guest who acts like a host. Paul is the prisoner who acts like a priest. And the picture is, as Jesus did, so we now do in the mm. world. Oh, I love that. Okay, so... Uh, we, we are awaiting tea. My mother made us tea. <laughs> yes, so quite we'll lovely. Have... The rain is uh, gone yes. now. We were asked if we wanted real tea, and obviously Proper we said, tea. of course yeah, we absolutely, did. Absolutely, yes. Um, so as we draw to a close, what what is the thing that you hope people will get from this book? What do you, what do you hope they will take away? My hope is that the reader will really get the sense and believe deep inside them that Jesus is drawing them into his story. Mm. Uh, that your life is not too ordinary to matter, not too mundane, not too messy, not too messed up. Um, that every one of you gets to be part of this sacred and holy Jesus story. And that's the beauty of the gospel. Well, I guess I should go buy the book now. <laughs> nah, please do. Because I definitely need that. <laughs> oh, this has been so fun. Thank you for coming on the show, Glenn. Thank you, Joy. <laughs>